Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. Welcome to episode two, the 2020 trade period review. In today's episode, we'll be talking about free agency period, the trade period, and the upcoming draft period. Uh, if we start with free agency, which ran from the 30th of October to the 6th of November, our only movement during that period was Joe Danaher, who who left the club. Uh, so, Brendan Danaher obviously out. It was a year a year after it was expected to happen. Yeah, well. Obviously, twenty end of 2019, he came out and asked for a trade to Sydney. Um, it obviously didn't happen. There was much talk at the time that, you know, it was two first-round picks. It was, you know, we're going to get pick, pick nine at, from the Papley deal and um, and then Sydney's first round this year. There's a fair, there's a fair bit of speculation that, that we didn't get this year the same as we would have got last year. People saying that we would have got more if we'd done it 12 months earlier. I'm not sure that's actually the case because we had a lot of people saying we would have got two first rounds last year. But I don't think that that offer ever existed because it was all dependent on Papley as well. Yeah, so whether or not uh, Sydney would actually give us that pick, which I don't think they ever committed to. Yeah, so it was all, it was all a hypothetical thing from Sydney. Sydney was saying... We'll trade Papley if you agree, agree to trade Dan Hur to us. Yeah. So it was like, we'll get whatever we get from Papley, which was Carlton's pick nine. Yeah. And then they were going to give the future first, which ended up being pick three this year. So it would have been nine last year, three this year for Dan Hur. Yeah. Uh, and then you say, okay, well, we only got pick seven as a compensation from the AFL um, this which year. I thought was, I, th- I thought that was higher than I think... We probably considering the number of years that he got from Brisbane, which I think ended up being three years, yeah. and the, the the money I guess is speculative, but um, I think there was probably a fair few people thinking it would be a late first, yes, which is somewhere around obviously seventeen eighteen kind of range or yeah. something. So this was all all the machinations. There was talk initially it was going to be a bit of a longer deal that Danaher got from Brisbane, and the money was going to be a bit less, uh, but I think there's talk is of oh. If you do that, that will get us band two compensation and we'll match. So maybe the talk was Brisbane said, no, we'll do three. We'll get you the same money over three years and then that will make sure the compensation's boosted and then we'll um, renegotiate down the track and you'll get a lot less. Yeah. But look, that works for Danaher because he gets, he gets five years worth of money in three and he comes out and smashes it. At the end of those three years, he's going to be like, Give me my money. I'm not. Brisbane don't have to give up any any trade for that, and we get the best possible deal, but well, best outcome we could, which was was pick seven. So in terms of player out, we've lost, we've lost a father son who's twenty six years old, one hundred and eight games, one hundred ninety one goals, uh, came into us in twenty twelve as pick 10, which I think was a, was a bid. Uh, yes. A bid went on him. I can't remember which club it was so now. So was but... Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide bid on him and then we matched. I think Port Adelaide that year 
had two picks before us. I think it was Andrew Moore and Johnny the Butcher. Uh, <laughs> and then they uh, then they bid on Danaher. Look, I think that's what happened. That Those were the players that year. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Port Adelaide bid. We matched. That was one of the... I think it's the second highest uh, father-son bid so far. I think the only one that's cost more was Luke McDonald at North yeah. Melbourne. That was maybe like pick eight. But, uh, yeah, so, look, paid a, paid a high price, top ten pick, but... He was the best player in that draft. Without I think he was, he was a standout <laughs> yeah. in the Tac Cup. So he would have gone. Then, he would have gone number one if he wasn't aligned. So we got a bit of a bargain there. And since then, with with Essendon, so he was All Australian in twenty seventeen, won the Crichton Medal in twenty seventeen, leading goal kicker in 14, 15, 16 and seventeen, and uh, with his best year being sixty five goals in in twenty seventeen. So he had. A pretty good period. I know a lot of people are sort of frustrated with his kicking and stuff, but he actually had a pretty good period as a as a young player, sort of under twenty five at, at Essendon. Yes, um, I think I think his first two year first year he didn't play a heap. I think he played midway through the year against Carlton, and that was his first game. Uh, just because he was such a tall, skinny, couldn't physically do much, and I think the second year kind of played a bit better. And then being the number one target, he started to kick a few more goals. I think he's. 2016 year, I think he maybe kicked 30, 45 goals, somewhere in that region. And then 2017, they put Hooker forward, and you know, so he wasn't getting the number one. Hook was getting the best key defender. Joey could kind of get up the ground a bit more, you know, and was flying, you know, he was the most promising player in the competition. And then, unfortunately for him, injuries just struck him. And we've barely seen him play since. For probably three, nearly three years, yeah. Only, only sort of a couple of handfuls of games in three years. So he's he's out now. I think the trade got done pretty early um, in the free agency period, which was, which was I think, good because I think a lot of people thought it might have dragged out, similar to how it kind of did last year when they couldn't agree. But I think it sounds like the club did the right thing by him, knowing that he was wanting out and that it, it's not not going to be like last year so I think it got done early which was good Brisbane seemed to be good about it the club didn't speak ill of him on the way out he didn't speak ill of the club on the way out yeah. he had some sort of good comments they they wished him well and and everyone sort of parted ways um, and then the story kind of went away after being probably one of the more talked about free agents this year the story kind of went away so I think it was a good way to wrap wrap that up he obviously doesn't doesn't feel like it's working for him at the club anymore or for him and his body or whatever so I think having him out is probably a good result really for us overall obviously a great player and a bit of a you know generational player potentially but if it's not working it's not working and now he's gone and I guess the club moves on yeah well you know like Brisbane put the offer in on the first day of the free agency period so we had three days to match we decided that, that day to say, look, we're not going to match, we're just going to accept the offer. So it was done. Because alternatively, you end up being like what happened with Jeremy Cameron at GWS. Similar situation to Danaher was a free agent. They matched, and then it was suddenly dragged out for another two weeks trying to get deals and this and that. And so it's I think the way we did it was was right, especially considering he um, wanted to leave last year. As you, look, as you said, generational talent clearly we've struggled without him in that side but he hasn't been there so we're not going to lose anything because we have he hasn't really been there anyway so we're in a similar position um 
yeah, he goes to Brisbane, wish him well, just hope he doesn't play too well against us. <laughs> <laughs> but look, what he can do, if he gets back to full fitness and if he gets maybe in a better space mentally because he doesn't like living in the Melbourne bubble and stuff like that, he, he can win on the flag. Yeah. He's exactly what they need. Uh, and Interesting to see how he goes, like you said, hopefully... Uh... Hopefully goes well, except for against us. <laughs> so that, that probably brings us into... That, that was free agency done for us. So the, the next one was probably the, the one that came from left field a little bit. So Adam, Adam Saad uh, came out and said that he, he wanted to be traded to, to Carlton. Um, Carlton. Not sure why you'd do that, but anyway, <laughs> he, he did it. So, uh, so yeah, that, that happened. He, he ended up getting traded on, on the 11th of November, which was the second last day of the trade period. So that one dragged out a little bit because I think, in a nutshell... We were pushing pretty hard. I think Dodoro was pushing pretty hard for Carlton to give up their first pick, which was pick eight. And Carlton were obviously trying to cling to that uh, and to try and push us pretty hard to, to give back something good, whether it be a future second or, or something of that nature. So the actual deal ended up being uh, Carlton's first round, which was pick eight. So we ended up getting that. Got their pick 87 as well, which is a fifth round. Uh, we gave back to them, obviously, Saad, as the player, and then pick 48, which is our third round, and pick 78, which is our fourth round. So, to be honest, I think we both probably discussed this offline, that we think Carlton probably got the better end of that deal. I think the picks worked out pretty good. We obviously pick eight's a good pick for us, but the picks for them worked out a pretty good spread, but they also got got a pretty gun gun player as well. Yeah, so they're they're obviously the big winner, because uh, Saad's a star. Absolutely. Jet, you know, um, the picks. I think well, all, the way it works now, all these picks are assigned points for you know matching bids for NGA and Father Sons. So look, it's not really a perfect way of analysing it, but I think if you put them in the calculator and work it all out with the plus and minuses of the points, it kind of value started about pick thirteen, which is I think is probably fair value. Um, us giving up those. Two picks. I'm not, not, not that happy about, especially considering um, the potential for us to have to match bids on our own uh, next generation academy players, which we'll talk about a bit later. But um, yeah, look, he's been at the club for three years. He only cost us a future, a future second round pick when we got him from the Gold Coast. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. So um, and then since then, he's been he's been pretty solid for us. So he's finished. In the Crichton medal since joining, he's finished fourth, third, and third. Um, only missed one game at, uh, at the, in that three years for us uh, due to a bit of hammy soreness at the end of 2019. Um, kicked, a, kicked a handful of goals, but obviously been, been a, a halfback running defender, which is I think is also that, that's why it was also hard to put the value on him because a lot of the time during trade, I think the players you're talking about are... You know, A grade mids or a big key forward or key defender or a ruckman or something like that. It's probably people probably underestimate a little bit the value of a of a good rebounding player off the half back line who can also lock down. Yeah, um, and he, his efficiency disposal efficiency is right up there, sort of eighty eighty plus percent. Uh, he's got you know he's got some he's got some really good attributes to him. So I think that's why it was so hard probably to put. Put an exact value on someone like Adam Saad. Yeah, well, look, we'll just run through some some quick twenty twenty stats from this year. And I think this year is reflective of the three years he's been at the football club. So, as you said, 
uh, 81% disposal efficiency. So that puts to bed the uh, the critique on him that he's just a dump kick and he's not thing. It's like a lot of Carlton supporters saying, oh, he's no good. But all of a sudden, the stats don't bear that out. Um, he's rated elite as a defender for disposals and metres gained. Uh, he's rated above average for a defender for kicks, handballs and tackles. Right, and that just goes to show he's both both hands. He plays defensively, he plays offensively. You know, metres gained is a critical stat these days in football, um, especially as a halfback. So I think you can see he's less than one goal a game. So you can lock a guy down, wins plenty of the ball, gets it going the way of his team and uses it well. And it's hard, it's hard to get someone who can lock down on one of the opposition's best players and in the same game hurt them on the other side, yeah. hurt, hurt them on the way back as yeah. well, which I, th- I think that's pretty rare to find a player a player like that. So that's where Carlton's obviously had a pretty a pretty good win there, getting someone like Saad who, who has that ability. Yeah, so he's in, so in the competition, he's 10th for metres game per game, uh, which is huge. And he's 17th for rebound 50s per game, which is, again, <laughs> the 700 players, whatever he's in the competition... He's top 10 and top 20 in two key stats. And then you compact that. He's playing a pretty poor side. Yeah. <laughs> Essendon. So he's, his defensive side is pretty good. So he's an, he's an out-and-out star. So pick eight's, pick eight's great. I'm happy we got pick eight. But if you said pick eight or Sard, I'd take Sard. Yeah. You know, 26. I think he's been offered a f- five-year deal. It takes you three to 31. Small defender, you know. You just if you just how many times as an Essen supporter have you seen an opposition small forward just rip us apart? Yeah. <laughs> Having a guy that can just go every week, you can pencil him in. You're going to play in this guy, and if you get beat, it's not going to be because you didn't have a fair crack. It, it's a nice luxury to have to have someone like Saad who can who can lock down. Yeah, take someone out of the game like a Papley or, you know, Betts in his prime or someone, Charlie someone Cameron, to that effect. Brisbane. Charlie Cameron, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the club, it got a little bit messy there, I think, at one stage with, with uh, Carlton and maybe Sard himself getting a little bit frustrated. So so the club from our end, um, we might be sort of paraphrasing a little bit here from um, the likes of Xavier Campbell, but I think the, the, uh, the words at the time were, were to the effect that he maybe didn't like some of the roles that he was being asked to play, he probably wanted to have a little bit more freedom to run and he was being asked to do a little bit of lockdown stuff and and he didn't maybe fully agree with that. Uh, there was a bit of talk that he had some sort of more personal aspirations with being achieving All-Australian and stuff like that, which uh, I, I didn't delve too deep into that. I think that's more speculation. Um, and then start on the way out, he didn't, he didn't whack the club or anything, I don't think, but... Uh, he sort of said that he has no issue playing a lockdown role and that he wants to keep doing his attacking role at the same time when he's at Carlton. So I think it was a probably there was pro- it was probably a little bit more messy than the Danaher one. I think the club didn't speak as glowingly as, as they did with uh, Danaher on the way out, but the deal got done. Like you said, we take pick eight and we go to the draft now. So yeah, it's done. In terms of in terms of all Australian, I don't think there's there's any question from actually watching him play. He's one of the best, or if not the best, small defender. Um, so all Australians, the people who pick that <laughs> are Muppets sometimes, yeah. so they don't really worry about too too much what they have to say. In terms of him not wanting to play his role, it's, it's balance between offensive and defence is hard for any player. 
especially as a half-back. You know, the defenders, you've got to defend first, but we're also lauding him metres gained. We can't get metres gained if you're blocking down. The one thing I did think was a bit of an issue was the mixed messaging or the uh, terms of, like, he struggled in the hub. We talk about lots of players struggling in the hub. So on Xavier Campbell, he, he said that part of the reason he was leaving, you know, there's multitudes of factors, but, you know, the hub experience was difficult for him, I think was the quote that he said. And I know and Saad, when he was at Carlton, uh, in the interviews that he did, saying the hub was actually a positive experience and he was very happy there. So that's a yeah. that's a direct conflict. So, look... I'm not saying who, who's right, who's wrong, but um, well, yeah, they, there's they some question marks. As they say, there's what three sides to the story, and it's probably somewhere well, in the middle. My side, your side, and the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, well, and maybe uh, maybe Tommy Brown was right. Maybe the the big car, the free car oh. from Carlton, was too <laughs> much. Car, to, it was car. too tempting to knock down. We're so. going to pay up like six hundred thousand dollars, but yeah, it's a. The uh, $30,000 Hyundai, Hyundai. Got him, got him over the He's line. got to seal the deal. <laughs> so that's, that's probably out of Saad done. But, uh, so, the, so the next one was Fantasia, who I think this has been on the books for, this has been talked about for, for sort of similar to Danaher, probably yeah. a few years. It, yeah, similar to the Danaher thing. And Fantasia, I think, openly uh, with the club, has probably had a desire to go back to South Australia. It sounds like he's pretty close with family. I think his partner lives in South Australia as well. So... He grew up barracking for the Crows. Um, I think there was no secret that there was a go-home factor there. Um, so Fantasia gets done on the last day of trade. He got done probably just before everything got mad in that last sort of half hour. I think he got done sort of just before that, that last frantic deadline part. Um, we got offered allegedly pick 29, I think fairly early in the piece from Port, which to be honest, I thought... I thought that was probably about fair, considering Fantasia's got a lot of potential and talent that's been shown. Like he's 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 been a very good player, um, you know, at his peak there. But um, you know, twenty seventeen kicked thirty nine goals from twenty games. Like that's that's a very good year for, yeah. from any forward, let alone a, a, a small forward like that. So I, I thought that was kind of fair when factoring in that similar, very similar to Danaher, that he hasn't played a lot of footy in the last two to three years due to you know, reoccurring soft tissue injuries of various nature. So we end up getting, uh, what do we get here? So we get pick 29 uh, and we got Port's next year's third round pick, um, depending on where they finish on the ladder. They take from us, obviously, Fantasia and our pick 73, which is a, a fourth round. So he goes to Port on a three-year deal. Um, 25 years old. So still got a lot of good footy left in him if, if he can get his body his body right. Yeah, so like we said, I think early on, pick 29 was the offer. Um, I think that's probably on talent, unders, but you factor in his body, he's wanting to go home. Um, I think there's lots of talk, the media likes to talk up how, you know, Essendon's so unreasonable, the door is unreasonable, we wanted a first round pick for him. I don't think... That's necessarily the truth. I'm sure if they wanted to offer their first round pick, we'd take it. Well, and I think, but the, I think the it thing was... that people forget too is that with Dodoro and the Fantasia trade, Fantasia was still contracted. Yeah. So you have to, you know, if you're dealing with a contracted player, you, you, the onus naturally becomes more on the club who's seeking that person. Yeah. As much as Port were trying to help him get home, you, you're still you're taking someone who's contracted. So you, it, it 
just there's just the way the industry works is that the onus is on you to help get the deal done if yeah. you want to bring someone to your club. So I think it was Fantasia and our 2021 second round pick for Port Adelaide's first. So when you factor in that we're going to probably not play finals next year, uh, potentially be in that bottom four to six area, um, and Port Adelaide are probably going to be a good side again next year, so top four. So really, you're saying you're it's a slide of 10 positions in next year's draft for Fantasia and the second round. So... And when you look at it, we gave a couple of extra, we gave a couple of picks that we got a couple of picks back. So it was a pick sliding further down the order. So look, I don't think it was it was a terrible suggestion, and obviously something that probably favours us. But again, he's our player; he's contracted. We value him highly. Um, yeah, look, wish him wish him all the best. You know, was one of those guys that you know when he was on. He was such an important part of the side, out of that class. That kick inside 50 could kick a goal. Reportedly very good around the club too. Um, I don't think this is probably publicly spoken about a lot, but there's there's a fair few comments from people within the club that he was quite a good leader and that he, he dedicated a lot of time um, and effort to to growing his leadership skills and to, to getting around the group and getting around younger players and stuff like that. So, so, and that, that's, you know, he, he made it into the leadership group at, at a time where at times during um, his Essendon career there. So I think that's probably, um, he's, he's a good football person as well. So, yeah. so I don't think he's not, he's not one of those guys. I think that's, um, that's going to get, you know, disinterested and, and come into trouble or anything like that. No. Like, I think he's, he's definitely a passionate footy guy and someone like that you'd want around a group. And I, I think he'll fit in well at, at Port. Yeah, I, I do too. I know, I know in, his, uh, in his welcome interview that he had at Port Adelaide, he mentioned how him, he comes from a big football family. They, they watch a lot of football. They really enjoy it. Um, he, did, he did make mention with talk with his injuries that he's, he's a bit of a thinker. And when he gets stressed, he, his solution is kind of to train a bit harder because he wants to... He wants to prove, make sure he gets right, and then he maybe pushes himself a bit, a bit hard when he should ease back up a bit. And he can he attributed that to not being able to, like, have downtime away from football. Being in Melbourne, doesn't really know anyone but for teammates or other people associated with the club. Whereas he thinks going back to Adelaide, he can just hang with his friends or his parents or other family members, and um, that means that. He doesn't have to think football all the time, so I, I I don't know if that's that's a hundred percent true. But the, that's if you listen to the interview, he seems pretty firm on that in his own mind. So look, I hope he hope he gets fit. Same with Danaher, I hope he goes well, but not too well against us. And um, I think and I think the the trade ended up being fair. I don't think I don't think I think that was a nil all draw between Port and Essendon for that trade. I think they got they got a handy player and didn't have to give up too much and we got something back that we can use, um, which was sort of what Dodoro mentioned. Uh, he he was more or less quoted as saying that, you know, Arazio leaving uh, helped us to get the Jai, uh, the, the Jai Caldwell deal over the line. So getting, you know, we managed to get him home. We got something back that we could use that benefited us moving forward. They got a good player. They didn't cough up too much for it. So I think it, that's it's probably probably a fair trade all around, I yeah. thought. I agree. Shake yeah. hands, walk away. That's it. So Fantasia, uh, 
done deal and on his way out. The the next one was that we picked up was uh, that happened uh, before all the madness again. It was on the third last day of the trade period on uh, on the tenth of November was Peter Wright, so two meter Peter as they call him from uh, Gold Coast. So I feel this is a guy who I felt like had been around for ages. If you if you had asked me before the trade, I would have said Peter Wright is probably some you know twenty eight to thirty year old guy sort of entering the twilight of his career. Uh, and then when we started, I, I didn't. Pay, I knew, you know, that he had started quite well in his career at Gold Coast, but I sort of felt like it was a, a longer time ago than it actually was. So when you actually look at it, he's twenty four years old. He's and for a big guy, that's not a bad thing because they they take a bit longer to develop and and come into their own. So yeah, so he was drafted in uh, in twenty fourteen, pick eight, which is obviously first round. So that's the same draft as uh, as Kyle Langford and Jaden Laverty. So obviously this year, 2020, Langford really took a big step up. I think finished fourth, I think it was, in the, in the best and fairest. So it, you can say, guys, you take a little bit, bit longer. Uh, but like I said, Peter Wright, you know, 200 centimetres, you know, 60 games, 85 goals, big key forward. You know, I think what's going to be really important with him is not just playing forward, but also being that second ruck, I think. Draper's obviously the man anointed going forward. So having Peter Wright been able to go into the ruck, Draper resting forward, I think that's a really good balance. I think they're both different types. I think Draper's more of your bash-crash physical presence and, you know, um, Wright's more of your taller, more traditional tap ruckman. So I think it's I think it's a great trade. We, and know. just and just on the trade, we probably haven't mentioned it yet, but the actual the actual deal was in to Essendon, Peter Wright, and what we sent back to Gold Coast was our next year, our 2021 fourth-round pick. Yeah. So I, I thought a fourth-round pick was uh, actually great value to get a guy in who, who at, at worst, gives us a bit of ruck-forward depth. Um, obviously, we've lost you know, someone like a Danaher, and, and even, even Stewart hasn't really played the last two years. So we bring in a guy who's 200 centimetres. If he can remain fit, which I don't think there's been too many problems with his, um, with his durability plonk him in the forward line if he can take a few grabs and create some contests for guys like, you know, so that we're not kicking it to Tipper. Uh, <laughs> we're kicking it to someone like Wright. Um, I, I don't see that being a bad thing. Like you said, we're not we're not contending, I don't think, for finals or anything next year. So I think at worst we we put a bloke who's two metres in the forward line and kick it on top of his head and he can bring it to ground and create a bit of contest down there. And I, I don't think that's a bad deal at all. Uh, I'd, I'd rather us, before the trade, when we were talking about you know, as people became aware that, you know, Jeremy Cameron and um, and Ben but, Brown and those guys were available, there was a bit of talk that, that, that us, you know, Essendon and clubs like Collingwood, people that were crying out for a key forward would go for those types. And considering where we're at and that we had such a bad year, finished so low, and that it's not likely to, to improve a great deal next year, there's no real reason why it should skyrocket back up, I was quietly hoping that we would go for a Peter Wright type that we wouldn't have to spend much on but would maybe add a bit of value rather than go for someone like the Ben Brown and Jeremy Cameron. They, those guys have to go to clubs who are in the window. Like they're, they're sort of at that sort of 27-year-old kind of mark roughly. Um, you know, they're still great footballers, but I think they'd be a little bit wasted in our team at the moment. So I think someone like Peter Wright was a good option um, and was good value. I, I agree because you're looking at those guys, they're, like you said, 27, 26, 27, 28 in that range. So they're a bit older from our group. It's going to cost you more in terms of salary. It's going to cost you more 
in terms of uh, trade to actually get picks done. Peter Wright's 24, still has, you know, six to eight years of good football ahead of him. Yeah. Can play in the ruck. A, a few, future picks are always worth a bit less because you don't know, you know, because so, 12 months away before you can use them. But fourth round, that's like potentially early 60s. You know, if you, you're 65 for Peter Wright, that's a, I think that's a pretty good deal. And he's had, uh, so I think his his earlier years were probably um, some of his more competitive. The last couple of years, he's probably he's probably struggled for for game time. But he's actually had some good. I think he had a year where he kicked maybe thirty plus. Um, so that's not that's not a bad player. That we could if we can get him back to that sort of form, then um, he could be could be a handy little addition. What what hurt him was that in the last two years, Sam Day. He's actually got his body right, and he's you know he's no superstar Sam Day, but he's he's a guy you can rely on to compete, can play either end, pinch it in the ruck, but also is Ben King, Ben King coming in, you know he's clearly the few, few, him and his brother are going to be the two best key forwards in the competition in the next three years, right? So you can't play, you can't really play right and King in the same forward line, and then then you think oh it's either right or or Day, and you probably go... Well, they've obviously chosen to go with Day probably because he adds a bit more down as a defensive option. So he didn't play a game this year, but was fit and, you know, competed in those scratch matches. So I think I think he's ready to go, so he's got no injury issues. 103 kilos, maybe, you know, maybe he wants to trim up a bit of weight there, but... Which he's talked about when he in in his um, sort of intro video and his his little interview. He he talked about doing the work. There was a bit of speculation that maybe he wasn't the hardest worker and and that maybe that was a problem with him. But he spoke well in the interview and and sort of and he mentioned that there's going to be a bit of work to do and that he's and he's he's ready to do the hard work. So obviously the, it'll it'll play out. But he's uh he's not shying away from it from what we can tell so far. Yeah, I think I think he said that he doesn't. There's no guarantees. On him getting a regular game, it's all being in the best twenty-two early on. He's got to try and you know prove to his teammates that he's he's worth it. But yeah, from a supportive point of view, I think he's he's probably closer than where he thinks he is because he hasn't really got much competition for the spots that came forward there. <laughs> no, so... our current centre half forward in uh, Tipper is probably <laughs> happy to give the spot to him. So just just on some more stats, I guess for. For Peter Wright, so 66 games in his career, 85 goals. Two times he's had over 20 touches in a game, which is pretty good for a big man. His career best is five goals in a game, so he's he's capable of kicking a little bag there. Uh, eight times he's kicked three goals in a game. Mind you, he's been at the Gold Coast, who struggled when he was obviously starting his career. They've had a couple of good good years, but never actually made the final. So these are decent decent efforts in a team that's um that's sort of been bottom half of the table for most of their time. Uh, career best hitouts of nineteen in a game, um, so that that there's some pretty handy, you know, the ability's there, uh, and he's only twenty four. So if we can get him in a bit, run him into a bit of form, and get him some confidence, yeah, he could he could be a good good addition. To he's the also side. he's also quite mobile. Like we talked before about Ben Brown. A lot of the criticism with Ben Brown is that he's too straight line, kind of like the old plays on train tracks can only lead up and down the ground, whereas. Which Peter's got a bit more mobility, can got a bit more of that sideways movement. Like he's, you know, he's no no Joe Danaher in terms of agility, stopping and propping and moving around. But I don't think there's anyone 
that's been more agile at that height than Joe. Um, but look, I I think there's there's only there's only upside in it. There's no downside. Uh, and, only... and even if there was downside, like at worst you've lost a fourth rounder that's and it. you've and you've got some depth. So I don't, I think it's uh, yeah it's better than you know selling half the farm to get a Ben Brown who we can't we can't probably at the moment actually feed him the ball the way he would need to be fed the ball. So um, like we said. Right, spoken about doing the work, which is good. Dodoro's mentioned that that you know they're keen to develop a bit of a ruck duo in in Draper and Wright, um, and and to to get that going. So uh, yeah, interesting to see. This, this is probably one of the ones that I was probably most happy about. It's probably not talked about a lot in the footy media, but I think as an essence supporter, just having a big target in the forward line is something we've sort of really lacked the last two to three years. Um, you know, through injuries, so. And then even when we've had guys like Bell Chambers, they've been sort of, you know, struggling to get through because they've had their own issues with, with injuries and getting towards the end of their career. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty excited to see how, how right goes uh, when we start leading into pre-season and some practice games, uh, I guess, which is good. Um, that brings us to our last trade. Uh, sorry, second last. We got so we got. Uh, they both happened very close to each other, actually. But we'll talk about this one first. This is probably our big one. Um, Jai Caldwell, which, um, yeah, nominated. It was look, looking like he was going to nominate the Saints, uh, who I think he grew up barracking for. Um, but he nominated Essendon, and I think that was largely around midfield minutes. It was his goal. So, moving into the trade period, GWS was super keen to to keep him, and I think it was Phil Davis who might have said that if there was a player at the club that he would offer a 10-year contract to, that it would be called well. Yeah. Apparently, he's a bit of a workhorse and goes about it really well, and, and he's got a lot of talent. Um, I think in his junior years, he had a few soft tissue injuries during his uh, with his hammies to when, when he was coming through that, that NAB, NAB Cup sort of period um, in his draft year. Uh, but he was... Ironically, he was pick 11 uh, when we traded our first round to to GWS to get Shield, he was pick 11 that year. Yeah. So it's kind of gone full circle. Um, so the actual deal, there was a bit of speculation around what it would be. Uh, GWS were pushing top really hard for a top, top 10, 10 pick, pick yeah. which I found hard uh, we, before we go into Caldwell too much. Uh, so GWS were trying to sell the story that he was pick 11 two years ago. They've only played him in 11 games in two years. So that they... Quarter of all available Quarter games. of all the available games... And somehow his value had increased, but uh, it was uh, obviously they were they were pretty feisty this draft period. I think they were fairly. I think they're a bit fed up with players probably, sort of going home and leaving the club. And yeah. so, so I think they were saying, pick eleven. Um, we've given two years of development, so you should be having been in an AFL system after two years. You know more of what's expected of you, or you know your skills have furthered your ability to know team plan stuff like that. So I understand that. I think their big thing was the injuries. He was heavily injured. Um, now we've got those injuries right. And it wasn't like a broken leg. It was hamstrings, which, which can kind of linger across your career if you don't get that that right. So from their point of view, you can say, okay, he's improved, but you're still not going to get a better pick out of 11 games. You might get maybe a pick more in your 15 to 20 range. Right, which is still a reduction on what he was initially drafted at, but you know, fair enough. But um, yeah, there was no. I wouldn't have wanted them to give up 
a top 10 pick for him. <laughs> I certainly don't think the football club was ever going to give up a, a top 10 pick for him. I think that was a bit of a, a folly there from GWS. Yeah, so, so if we talk about the actual trade, so we get, obviously, Jai Caldwell. Um, we also took in pick 44, which is a third-round pick, pick 74, which is a fourth-round pick. Going the other way, we gave to GWS... Uh, pick 29, which we had picked up through the Fantasia deal, which is a second round, and we gave them our next year's second round pick, 20, 2021 second round pick, um, which if we finished lower down the level, lower down the level, 20s, is, yeah. is probably early 20s, which is which is not too bad for GWS. Um, he signs a four-year deal with us and reportedly on some decent money, which is, um, we're, we're obviously taking pretty big risk on a, on a on a 20-year-old player who's had some soft tissue injuries, highly touted, but uh, only 11 games, and we're, we're obviously putting a fair bit of trust into him. So 183 centimetres, 82 kilos, 11 games, one goal, two years in the system. Um, midfielder, obviously, contested ball, known for his tackling, for his speed. Um, and he, he was attracted to the club on the, on the premise of playing midfield minutes. So very, in my mind... Probably up for discussion, but in my mind, very similar to a Darcy Parish. Yeah, look, I I agree with that call. Just firstly on the trade, I think we did really well in the trade. I think getting a couple of those extra picks back, which is that we kind of lost in the Sard deal, was good because it'll help us match bids for our next generation academy players. Um, I think he's I, I agree. He's a midfielder that's going to play midfield at Essendon. But he is a versatile player. I think he's played a bit at half-back at GWS. And, you know, so obviously with Saad and McKenna leaving, that's a, he can rotate back there, part of the rotation. Um, I agree he's like Parrish. Um, I think you and I are probably two of the bigger Darcy Parrish fans out there. Definitely. We, um, Parrish needs to play on ball. He always... Best football comes there. I think Caldwell is going to be a guy we're going to see similar things with. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that balance happens. Parish might be uh, potentially a bit nervous about losing some, some minutes with another guy coming in, but hopefully that doesn't happen. I really hope that Parish continues to get put in the middle because, like you said, every time we see him play well, it's because he's thrown on the ball and and uh, goes and gets it. Uh, so I'm, we'll probably see a similar thing with Caldwell, I suspect. Yeah. And when, he, when he's played on ball... Wow, how good is this guy? And then he'll get moved into a flank because part of the rotation, and you'll be like, "Ah, oh, no, get get Caldwell back in there, get him in there with Paris." So, yeah. look, lots made of their height. I think one eighty four is about the average for an AFL midfielder, so it's not it's not one of the small things. I think Parrish is only one or two centimeters shorter than that, so it's not as if he's yeah. You know, <laughs> not like we got Boomer Harvey running in there, like he's you know he does he Parrish small midfielder, but two centimeters, like it's not. It's not really the be on end all. But yeah, definitely exciting prospect. So Dodoro um, came out and said that he had actually had his sights on, on Jai for a while uh, since he was playing at the Bendigo Pioneers. So um, he's been keeping an eye on him for a while and, and now finally up was in a position to be able to bring him to the club. So hopefully uh, hopefully it, it works out and uh, it doesn't you know, pass the injury issues and we yeah, get to see him play in the middle and and develop and sort of explode a little bit, hopefully, in the next couple of years. Um, so, yeah, so we'll just um, we'll just talk about this trade there and some comments made by Jason McCartney, who's the list manager 
at GWS. So him, he and Dora have had a running battle over the years. Uh, you know, McCartney was previously at the Bulldogs when uh, we got Jake Stringer, and they had a bit of a bit of a fight there. And the uh, Dylan Shield deal was initially there. So you probably say yeah, maybe one one, you know, there in terms of we probably got the better of the of the Stringer one. Dodoro probably wins the Stringer deal, and McCartney won the the Shield deal. I still think yeah, we we went all. we went pretty well in the Shield deal. I think. Still, and Shields a pretty good footballer. He's done well at at Essendon, and you know people talk about oh we gave up two first round picks. Yeah, but we got a second rounder back, and now one of those first rounders was Jai Corwell. So it was it's it's really we've got Shield and Corwell for for a first and three seconds. So these are the games that get played. But he did he did mention afterwards there. He said, and and we quote here, uh, the Corwell one was a millimetre away from not getting done either. That's Essendon. Target a player, high quality, get him in the door, and then not be prepared to stump up the price that actually facilitates the deal. So he's obviously a bit upset with uh, with Adrian and Adrian there, but I would say to Jason, um, if you're arguing that we're not prepared to to put up the price to get the deal done, well, how come the deal got done? Yeah, you, you've, you've, you've agreed to it. You ended up shaking hands and getting the deal done. So don't do not do the deal and then complain about how bad it was for you. Like, if, if it's so bad, then don't do the deal. Yeah. So, you know, you, you say that, oh, you know, you deal the darn thing. But he also had a crack at Adelaide there with uh, with Jackson Haightley because uh, they offered up pick 40 for Haightley and they said, no, that's not good enough. And then they, they just went to the draft. So you've lost a... Just to pick 13, I think he was. So I don't think it was taken too much later than, than Caldwell in that draft. And they've got nothing for him. Uh, yet, you know, yet the big bad, the big bad Dodoro, like the big bad wolf coming to, to blow your house in, uh, gives you two second round picks and he's a terrible person, I think. No, yeah. I, I think G- G- it pretty much summed up, I think, GWS's trade period. They were, they were frustrated, they were angry. They were throwing around a few comments with, with the, the the Jeremy Cameron deal, with the Hatley deal. Um, they obviously lost um, Zach Zach Williams to Carlton as well. So Aiden Cord and North Melbourne. Yeah, they they had a pretty a pretty rough trot, and I think the comments sort of reflect that they that they they're not too happy about what happened overall. So well, let's uh, let's let's look for for round four next year maybe. Yeah, the uh, the wheels maybe, maybe Timmy Taranto we can uh, can pry out of. <laughs> Oh, Josh Kelly or Lucky Whitfield. Let's uh, have another crack. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, that brings us to our last trade uh, player that we brought in, uh, which potentially this this hopefully is going to be a bit of a feel good story, a bit of a homecoming. So Nick Hind um, spent a bit of time on our on our VFL list or in our VFL team um, for a while there. It was it was a good a good contributor, a good player. So. This happened on the last day at the last minute as well uh, at the very end. So there was we didn't know sort of for a while there whether we got him or not, but we ended up getting him. So we bought in Nick Hind and also pick 77, which is a fourth round pick. And we gave back to St Kilda pick 67, which is a fourth round, and pick 74, which is a fourth round. Um, no announcement yet on the actual length of the, of the contract um, at the time we're recording this, but... We bring in Nick Hine, 26 years old, 180 centimetres, 71 kilos, played 21 games, kicked 17 goals, um, 
uh, with St Kilda. So he's two years at St Kilda. He he got played in the forward half, which was interesting because his whole time in the S and VFL system, he was a running pacey halfback ball carrier. You know, tear through the middle, kind of break it, break a game open, kind of you know in parts. Um, I remember one of his last games for the for the VFL team must have been twenty eighteen. Yeah, that twenty eighteen final in, in the final he electric. nearly yeah. nearly won that game off off his own you know boot or on his own shoulders. So um, this one again, I think it was a fairly fair trade. Uh, I think you know a couple of picks went back to back to the Saints. We keep we keep a late pick there in the fourth round. We get Hind. Obviously, we needed a bit of coverage you know, after losing McKenna and Saad this year. Um, he's you know he's not he's twenty six, so he's still within the good good age profile and uh yeah i think hopefully hopefully this is a a bit of a good a good luck story and we can get some games into this guy and get him get him to debut for Essendon. yeah so like you said played forward at st kilda which you can see why they would do that he's obviously he's he's quick he's pacey he's got good skills but i think he and i think adrian dodoro also mentioned this he's going to play halfback at Essendon. that's where he played in the vfl that's where he's going to play for us in the AFL. We clearly have a need with Saad and McKenna going. He's probably not as good... Well, he's definitely not as good a player as either of those two. Uh, he's probably not as good... If you look at maybe Saad, I think he's probably closer in terms of player to Saad than McKenna. Um, Saad's definitely better defensively than him. Um, but look, I think there's... He can't be superstars everywhere. I think he's definitely going to be a guy that we're going to use and is going to provide value to us. Well, and he might potentially, after losing Saad and McKenna, like you said, he, you know, he might not be the best halfback in the in the system, but after we lost McKenna and Saad, Nick Hind in, in, in uh, 2021, he might actually be our best halfback that we have. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, we, we obviously need a bit of coverage down there, so I think that's a, it's a smart move uh, getting him in. Yeah, well, we've been often critiqued for... For just drafting flankers and having so many flankers, and now we're maybe at a stage where we it's actually a need with those two going out. Even Fantasia was was played a bit of bit of halfback this year, and um, you know Marty Gleeson. Who knows what's happening with Marty? Hopefully, he stays there because I think Marty's a good player and good depth. But um, yeah, I'm happy to have him, and I think uh, he'll be a valuable addition to the club. So that's everyone that came in. Maybe we just talk about um, probably the big story, the, the, big, the big story, story the, which was the one that we missed, the one that got away. So this was a little bit unexpected, unexpected when it came up. So Josh Dunkley from the Bulldogs. We've been looking for this big body mid since uh, Joe, myth- Joe Watson. Mythical big body mid. They're uh. hard to come by. Joe Watson was the last one we had, and we've been searching ever since. So Dunkley. It fits all the mould. Good age bracket, 23 years old, 190 centimetres, 88 kilos. Uh, played 78 games, kicked 42 goals, which is pretty handy. So been at the Dogs for four years, under contract for another two, which was probably the, the hard part to deal with. Um, I think he probably became a little bit disenchanted with the Dogs because he was getting he was actually getting played in the ruck at, yeah, at one point. Um, even though, which was sad because... Uh, Tim English tore us apart when we played them and then never played another good game for the year. So it got so bad that they ended up having to play their midfielders in the ruck. Um, anyway, I digress, but uh, very good player, Dunkley. Um, a few question marks on his kicking, but you can't have... If you had everything, um, you'd be, you know, Lee Matthews in your prime. So uh, 
yeah, we obviously didn't get him. The dogs were fairly adamant to keep him. Um, what we ha- had to give the dogs in, you know, first round picks and stuff like that, I don't think they were overly keen on because they, with the Jamar Ugelhagen pick and having to bid on that, they, you know, first round picks didn't really suit what they needed this year as yeah. well. So, so Adrian uh, in his, you know, little presser after the period and made mention of this. So we had offered uh, pick seven, which was our pick that we got from Danaher there, the compensation pick, and the 2021 second round pick. Which potentially uh, is a good pick, potentially yeah. early 20s pick, because yeah. we're, we're not likely to finish uh, So they, they knocked that back, and the dogs were requesting pick seven and our 2021st first round pick, which you, from the dogs' point of view, you can completely understand. You mentioned Jamara Hagen. It's going to be bid on quite early this year, so potentially a, a pick seven might get wiped out in matching the bid. Um, but uh, so future picks is probably a value. But that that first round pick next year could potentially be top four, top six. You're not going to give two, you know, two top five picks and you know seven and six for for any player. That's that's a very large, you know, price to pay for any player uh, under contract. So you can understand the dogs. Uh, saying, well, this is our price, either pay it or don't. Um, I'm actually probably happy that we decided not to go down that path as much as he is everything that we would need, right age, would really help our midfield, you know, because everyone would play that one lesser role out. He could kind of be the feeder. Well, I think it just comes down to great player. Would have loved to get him in, but we can't sell the farm for him. So we're, we're obviously at a point where we're, we're not, I don't think we're doing a rebuild, but we're, we're stocking up and doing a mini... mini uh, Rebuild, but yeah. um, so you can't you can't go all out and give up too much to get a Josh Dunkley when you're not in the window. If he's the last piece of the puzzle that you need to contend next year, maybe fair enough. But you don't, do, you know, that's what that's what Geelong does with Jeremy Cameron when they're you know they played in the grand final this year. They're 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 at they're at the point where they might be able to do it, but yeah. that's not Essendon right now. So I don't think giving up all that for Dunkley wasn't going to be the right decision to make so like you said I'm, I'm actually happy that we didn't do it it's it's comforting that we had a player like that nominate for us and actually yep. asked to come to the club because there was a lot of talk about you know all these people wanting to leave Essendon and and um and I think it was comforting that we had a few people nominate and, and someone like a Dunkley uh as well so as much as we didn't get it done um which would have been nice I think it worked out better for us for what we kept we 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 uh we didn't have to give up, yeah. give away uh, everything that we still do need. Yeah. yeah. So as you said, if we had, we had the glittering forward line, the great back line, and he was just the one piece in the middle, you'd pay the price like Geelong have done with Cameron. But even if he comes in next year, who's he kicking to in the forward line? So like we're still, you know, still a fair way away, you know, and potentially we had seven and next year's first, we could get two key forwards or get could. Draft an inside midfielder that's of equal value to Dunkley is in a couple of years' time. It, it'll be interesting to see, actually. I, I, I guess a lot of Essendon fans now will keep an eye on Dunkley next year, but the Bulldogs managed to get in Adam Adam Trelaw. So Dunkley's now in this group of like seven really decent midfielders at the Bulldogs. So And, and if he was concerned that he was getting pushed out already out of the midfield rotation, well then Trelaw come in is not going to make that that any easier. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll be keeping in contact with Dunkley and uh, you know, next year he goes through next year, another year gets wiped off his contract there and he gets closer to the end of his Bulldogs contract. So 
It'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't think any of us will be disappointed. If he has a similar year to the year that he had this year at the Dogs, where he gets, you know, doesn't get as many midfield minutes, gets played sort of out of position and a bit of that, uh, as much as it's not good for him personally, as, as an Essendon fan, it wouldn't be a bad thing to watch because it, it might give us a bit more leverage next year to have another crack. But it, Conversely, it, he could have a year like he had in 2019 where he's second in the best and fairest, 15 Brownlow votes, and, like, he just stars. But I think that that comes from the midfield minutes. You can't really do... His game, he's a, he's a bit of a grinder. You know, he's not a burst player. So you need to be in there a bit more to kind of his game to be at its fullest. Yeah, so we I guess we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, the, the industry moves so fast that it could be someone else next year anyway. So uh, that, that probably brings us to the end of the trade period. So we move on to the draft. So if we just do a bit of a recap maybe. So, so moving into the trade period, before all of those players came and we traded and, and picks changed and exchanged hands. So moving into the trade period... This is what we originally had. We had pick six as a first first round pick. We didn't have a pick uh, in a second round at all. No pick. We had pick forty two, which was from the from the Gold Coast from the previous year. We had uh, that was our third round pick. In the fourth round, we had pick sixty one, sixty seven, and seventy two. And our fifth round pick was pick seventy nine. So I think we had a great pick at the start of the draft there in pick six because we finished so low. We didn't have a second round pick, which I think really hurt us um, because there was a big gap between six and forty two. So that was that was before heading into the period yes. uh, this year. So, so we didn't have a second round pick this year because that got caught up in the deal we did last year for Harrison Jones. So we traded that to North Melbourne to push up the order a little bit last year to pick to pick Jones. Which Dodoro, interestingly enough, Dodoro said that um, he nearly would have taken. Harrison Jones almost with a first round pick. He yeah. was that keen on him. So we ended up getting uh, Jones for quite good value. So, so his, his quote was, if we had have done the Danica deal last year and we had have got that pick nine from Carlton, from the Papley thing, that he would have taken Jones at nine. Yeah. Now, whether I'm, I'd take him at his word, but I don't know if, you know, if that was the case, he wouldn't have lasted all the way to where he did in the 30s. So I don't know... If that's, you know, hundred percent the case, but you never know. The the so those three fourth round picks, the two of those, one came from West Coast, one came from Geelong, and that was through a bit of smart trading by Dodora to get involved in that Tim Kelly deal. So we gave up something a little bit extra and got those picks back, which was good. So I think our strategy at the start of the of the year was to take the first round pick to the draft, get a good kid. And then bank picks up to look to match bids on potential NGA players. Um, but obviously, that's changed a bit. So Yeah, which probably changes a bit with, with the, the, the likes of the Danaher and Saad deals and things like that happening. So now we move to what we've ended up with after after all these players have come in and picks have changed hands. So, so right now, as we sit heading into the, uh, into the draft period, we have the following hand, which is first round. Pick six, pick seven, which is the Danaher compensation. Pick eight, which is the which is the trade, uh, which is the pick we got back. Sorry from uh, from Carlton for Sard. Second round, we still don't have a pick in the second round, so that remains unchanged. In the third round, we've got pick forty four, which is uh, what we got back for Coldwell from GWS. In the fourth round, we've got pick seventy seven, which is 
what we've got back uh, from the Hind deal with St Kilda. And in the fifth round, we've got picks 85 and 87. Um, so not that's not, no, not a not a bad hand. Obviously very strong at the start, 6, 7 and 8. Hasn't been many times in history that we've gone in with something like that in the first round. So the well, the last time I can think is probably when we took a Parish and and um, Francis and Francis with I think pick six and seven uh, at the time. So pick six, seven, and eight is is a handy first round. Yeah. So I think I think thinking back on a Parish and Francis, we're five and six. Um, the we've never had three picks in the top ten. Um, I think. But for the GWS and the Gold Coast Suns introductions when they got all those extra picks, I think really, I think maybe Hawthorne had three top ten picks when they took Buddy, Ruffy and Jordan Lewis. But again, that was, when, that was an older system when you used to get the compensation, you used to get the priority pick before you didn't win enough games. So look, completely different thing. Um, I really like having six, seven and eight. I think that really sets us up to um, having those picks sequential means that you can kind of be a bit more strategic with who you've picked. You don't have to try and play games and take one pick here, not fair that. You can kind of there's no there's no clubs in between you in those picks. Yeah. So so you're not if you're really keen on a certain player uh, and then another player after that, you don't have to worry about whether they're going to be picked up yeah. by the time your next pick comes around because you are the next pick and the pick after. So yeah, so you can maybe. I think Adrian's flag that made you be get some in some potential trading of picks. So even though the trade period is done, that was more f- for picks and players. Whereas leading up to the draft and on draft night, you could still trade picks. So potentially we might be able to bundle. You know, the talk is being bundle up six and seven to North Melbourne and try and get pick two. Um, whether that happens or not, uh, it's to be probably on North Melbourne. Then I think we'd probably like to do it. It's whether or not North would be keen. I think getting those picks at the end is valuable too. So those picks at the end will actually not be... But that won't be their final position. So pick uh, 77, 85 and 87. They'll actually, when it comes draft time, they'll potentially be... Pushed back. Pushed, so it'll be 60 or something like that because other clubs will be matching bids. So they'll have to use multiple picks to match bids. So... You know, the dogs with this Jamara Yuga Hagen thing, they might have to spend three of their picks to match him. So all of a sudden, you know, 77 becomes 74. And then there's other clubs that'll do that. So they will come in. So, you know, that is that is valuable, especially, you know, with our potential uh, NGA kids that will have to use those picks to match on. So that wraps up episode two, the 2020 trade review um, discussion. So we spoke a little bit about the, the draft there at the end. Yeah, so as we said, we mentioned the picks we're going to have and potentially some NGA players. So what we'll do is once the draft actually occurs, we'll do similar to what we've done today. We'll do a draft review show and we'll talk about who we took and um, what players there are and potentially what they can offer us going forward. So that'll be a good thing to uh, to do and listen to. And um, yeah, it should be good little show there all right thanks for listening everyone uh we'll uh be back with some more after the trade period in the meantime if you go to facebook and instagram essendon people podcast and follow the updates there